6 p.m. Eastern today. You're listening to Adam Aaron GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Hello. Holy shit, guys. Welcome fucking back to the show. Uh, who remembers Glow? You guys remember Glow back in the 80s? Oh, man. I thought it was fucking some of the cooler shit that was out. USA Network. Uh, I'm going to tell you the story about how my mom ended up being the female Sergeant Slaughter for the New Orleans Glow Chapter. <laughs> she just kind of released that. I guess she had some TV spots and all kinds of shit like that. But we're also going to talk about the serious issues too, man. Not just the wrestling. The wrestling shit's fun. But my mom has to report this guy to you. He's a woman abusing piece of shit. We'll get to it. She had to go recon. Because that's in her nature, you know. To make sure that her friends are okay, obviously. But the guy ended up being a fucking lunatic. And this is the second time he's fucked over my mom. Now my mom's in a fucking hospital. Mm. We're going to talk about PTSD fucking triggers. And having PTSD and putting yourself in dangerous situations and not thinking about it. Uh, it's difficult. Nobody's off the hook with this, you know, and we've all experienced it. It hasn't been really discussed necessarily on the show, but this is definitely a PTSD-driven theme. And if you don't think I didn't experience a fucking bit of it, it took me 33 hours to find my mom, dude. I was like, what in the fuck? She's going to tell you about it. You're going to hear all about it, dude. This episode's brought to you by some fucking neighborino. New Orleans neighborinos. It's pretty good shit, man. Sativa. I'm fucking able to fucking maintain. You're going to hear the howls of a desperate dog. The Colonel. Who's actually the uh, executive producer of the show. And uh, he's a 16-year-old chihuahua wiener fucker. He's, a, he's the end of a Q-tip, goddammit. But he tells everybody what to do at the show. I gotta listen to him. Right, Mo? Is that right, Momo? He's like, fuck off, man. Anyways... Stick around. Let's hit these issues. We'll talk about my mom being in the glow. <laughs> what it was like for her. We'll hit some wrestling. And some other fucking factoids that you may want to look up after the fact. Alright, stick the fuck around, motherfucker. God damn. We'll be right back, guys. I don't believe in petty superstitions. 
Are you sure? Absolutely. Knock on wood. Hey, I'm Hollywood. Sure, I like to party, but I won't drink and drive. Alcohol in your system dulls your senses. If you think you can handle a car after a few drinks, you're making a mistake. A grave mistake. You heard? We're fucking back, motherfucker. He's a better equipment. I look forward to days of better equipment, Mom. <laughs> this ghetto shit's for the fucking ghetto birds. Me too, but I want him to issue me a new brain to go with it. Yeah, we could all use a fucking new brain tune-up, it seems like. Well... <clears throat> Welcome to the episode, My Mom Was in Glow. <laughs> My mom still thinks she's in glow. Is that right, Mom? Yeah, I guess I did that night. Well, I guess this episode will talk about your glow story. We'll have that on here, but we also need to talk about the importance of, like, fight or flight, and I... Maybe that was kind of something you were experiencing the other night, Mom? Yeah. PTSD. Uh, my mom's going to tell you guys the fucking story. When he started yelling at me and calling me all kinds of stupid and spit in my face, I saw red and flew into the first berserker rage I've been in in several years. Now, I saw the... I, I've heard stories, you guys, and I've told, I've tried to warn people on the air. You know that, man. I'm like, hey, don't fuck with my mom. She's just, it's not the right fucking move, you know? And, uh, I think most people hear this thing, and it, they may think it's like a shtick or whatever that we're just doing for the show. I'm going to tell you guys right now, this ain't no shtick. PTSD is very real. And I was molested and beaten as a child. Like I've told these guys out here in the audience before, you know, the best doctor you're going to have is someone that's experienced the shit that you're really undergoing and not some fucking textbook fucking dummy. You know? The last thing I ever want to hear from is somebody, is from a doctor who never has experienced any of the mental fucking strife that I have, and are trying to just, you know, that shit just rolls off like big pharma, you know, but my mom, the other night, supposed to go to a doctor, did you go to your doctor appointment? I was late, so they wouldn't see me. And so suddenly someone fucking called you into the French Quarter, is that correct? No, I went by the bank to get out to rent money. And I went to the quarter to unique to buy cheap cigarettes. So I'd have cigarettes when I got home. And uh, I ran into Chumana and Unique. And she was asking me about my dad, and I was asking her what he'd been doing. And uh, I bought her a beer. And we went to go sit somewhere while we drank the beer. And uh, this cat that robbed me a few years back, anybody that's been following me on Facebook knows about it. He was down at the opposite end of 
of the square for me. When you see me down there, you come down there. And just all kinds of shit went south. I got robbed for over 500 bucks. He got you for 500 bucks. I got beat down. I got hit so hard. I literally shit all over myself. And I ain't never had that happen to me in all my born days until the other night. Mom, you hear this fucking dog parade outside? I'm sorry. That's alright. It's fucking uh, cinnamon tits. Alright, hold on a fucking second, guys. I gotta let the dog in while the show's going. Alright, keep telling them the story, Mom. Anyway, it was messed up, and I want to make sure that I get the word out nationwide and internationally. It don't hurt because he has been known to go overseas. He's a ex-corman from the military. But this guy is dangerous. He has a history of attacking women. He beat a senator's daughter to death and was out within six months off a murder one charge. And that don't happen unless you're rat. Shut up. Not you, Mom. Hold on. Be quiet. Come in. Come on. Get in here. Let's go, Mom. Come on, Santa, Mom. Call her, Mom. She's like, yeah, right, I didn't see her fucking come in here. I'm going to stay out here and be a barking asshole. Anyway, back, back to it, you know, like my mom said, this guy's notorious, he's been beating on women, he's in the French Quarter. What's his fucking name again? Greg Rogers, but they call him Squirrel. So usually when I list his name, I list it as Greg Squirrel Rogers. Yeah. And uh, my mom got triggered out because she can't handle this shit. And, you know... robbed me a couple years ago, too. And, uh... He was trying to convince everybody that I was full of shit and lying about it. So I guess that's kind of what this revolves around this issue. A lot of people have PTSD. A lot of us are undiagnosed or don't have a current fucking doctor or whatever. My mom has a doctor and it's still not good enough. And, uh, you know, she was put into a position where you were... you. You went in with the right intention, but you did it the wrong way. Yeah, I was just going to do a little soft recon because I had heard he was back in town, and I wanted to know where he was hanging at and with who so that I could try and avoid him until we could do something, you know? Yeah. But uh, he charged me first. Well... He's a piece of fucking dog shit, and fucking, I heard he didn't get a happy ending at the end, no names are getting dropped or whatever, but the guy's a fucking police informant fucking narc, <laughs> so you really can't fucking do nothing, the cops won't fucking touch his ass because, you know, whatever, 
it kind of just leaves it up in the air, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you know something's wrong. But what gets me is why do you persist in coming back to a city that's then told you you're persona non grata? Why does he keep coming back to New Orleans? He committed a murder here and got away with it after he admitted What the I mean, fuck, man? If that was you or me, we'd be under a penitentiary. What's this guy got? You know? Cheap POS. <laughs> <laughs> well. What is it, Mom? Tell these guys out there. He's a piece of shit. Alright, you guys fucking heard it? You can't abbreviate that shit either. That's just directly what the fucking guy is. I saw a fucking picture of him too, man. I was like, holy fuck, I can't believe this guy. I was waiting to see this fucking Marine Corps motherfucker or whatever. And really, he's just some fucking drunk island bum. And he's a badass little bastard, I know, because this ain't the first time that I went around and round with him. I went around and round with him the last time he robbed. And I was beating him over the head. I had my uh, braces on my hand with the steel down him. And I was beating him with that. And he looked up at me and said, is that all you got? Jesus, man. Some people got that fucking super strength off fucking drugs, too, man. Well, in some kind of weird way, I think it's almost like he wants me to kill him and get put away for life. And then he gets what he wants, and you gotta pay longer. Yeah. He gets what he wants both ways. He knows I'll be miserable for the rest of my life. Plus, he'll be out of it. Well, he baited you and got you again, man. Yeah. And the mistake that a lot of people make that, like me and my mom, and we both have made this fucking mistake, is not telling someone when you're going out to fucking com confront some people. And that was a mistake you made, right, Mom? Yeah. Express that to the crowd out here listening, that that's not a good fucking idea. That's the same one you made up north. With the gangbang. And the gun. Oh yeah, and you guys can go back and listen to the uh, IHOP crackhead neighbor brunch episode recorded live from IHOP in Carbonstale, fucking southern Illinois. I'm just glad he didn't shoot you. I fucking put, like I said, I took his hand, put the gun to my fuck middle of my head, and I thought it was pretty cinematic. I should have won four Golden Globe Awards, but, you know, Will Smith ended up fucking ruining it for everybody. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't that bad of a joke, Mo. Jeez. You hear this guy crying over here? This guy's the Roy Orbison of fucking old dogs crying, crying, crying over you. I know, 
And I miss him. I miss having my cuddle monkey. Yep, you weren't thinking about him. Now he's fucking paying the ultimate price sleeping in the armpit of your ducky outfit. Absorbing all your duck costume sweat. It's going to go south as fast as they did, and I thought I was going to be able to make it back home. I kept waiting. I kept telling you, too, man. I was like, just get in the fucking car, Mom. I just want people to know that I did go, and I want my mom, you know, to know that. But she knows that. She knows I went as far as I could. Yeah, Chandra told me you were out here pounding the pavement looking all over for me. I did. I spent a bunch of money. I talked to some homebum chick sleeping under this fucking silver metal statue. She's like, did she have a blue walker and cool glasses? And I was like, yeah. She's like, yep, she was here way earlier. You hear this guy? Yeah. Motherfucker, that's some heartache right there. Well, yeah, of course. He's in the studio, which is basically your fucking living room. My poor baby. I love you, Momo. Oh. You hear? She's just waiting on these yo-yos to decide she can go home. Is that the ghost of hospital, Mom? Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. She's coming back for a sequel. Because, you know, this area loves a good comeback story. Oh, my dad told me that I was lucky he couldn't reach me right now. <laughs> yeah, I heard it. Yeah, you upset the general. You did, you upset the general, man. That was it. But, you know, he's always got a soft spark. For you, you know, and he loves the shit out of you, dude. Yeah, and I you're love out of his obnoxious little butt too. And you know, you got a family out here that just wants a fucking heads up next time, you know. And now, you know, things can just go south inside a matter of minutes. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking after he spit in my face, like I said, I saw red. Tried to turn into the Incredible Hulk. And you guys... I was still in glow and I could pick him up and body slam. Look, guys, it's normal to fucking feel like, hey, I'm fucking triggered out. I'm going to go fucking, you know, do my fucking shit, you know. And, uh, and I don't think you were triggered out at first, Mom. I think you were just doing the recon, like you said. But yeah. it did it did put you in this vulnerable place, and I think that's where I'm yeah, trying to get to. Come down there and started getting all up in my face. That's when I started getting triggered out. That's what I'm trying to. That's and the nerve we're trying to hit face. here. Then when he spit in my face, I just went into berserker rage. I'm Irish and Apache, and that does not make for a very good temper. <laughs> I should say not. No. <laughs> I have berserker blood on both sides of the bloodline. Well, you know, you're talking about some awesome fighter combination blood, too. You know? Yeah, because my dad was studying in Japan under one of the samurais over there and actually got his daughter pregnant. 
That's why my dad don't let too many people know where he lives or his phone number. You know? Yeah. Because uh, he said he, even though they're both in their 80s, he wouldn't put it past that old man to come try to kill him. Oh, man. Ain't that something? Mom, you had <laughs> the fucking stories, man. You guys can see that we're never gonna we're never gonna run out of material for you guys. We never will. <laughs> Damn, dude. Mom, well, you know you're. You you've been a bouncer in New Orleans. You've been. Uh, are we allowed to say you've been a vigilante out here? Well, they call me a street judge. <laughs> you did it. You are an administrator of street justice. You're legendary. The thing is, I do listen to all the facts from both sides before I hand down a decision, just like a real judge. Yeah. And I'll go to the public library and look stuff up in the law books if I have to to make sure I'm on solid ground. You know? Yeah. If there's a question in my mind, I'll go look up precedents and see what the real judges have done. You know? I think most feeling psychologically tortured by your voice coming over the phone on the speaker. He's just looking at me like, that's right. I know, Mo. I wish I could be there, baby. Oh, man. Never before has a, has the production manager of this show cried on the air. I have never heard the colonel no, just... He's always been our production manager. <laughs> yeah. Colonel tells everybody where to go when he gets mad. Oh, yeah. So I start calling him General Nosewine, and you call him the Colonel. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he likes to snip at me, you know. And, and he does, it, you know, he's always been that way with me until just now when, you, you, you know, all this shit's gone down. So we developed this system because he was going to have to get the fuck off the couch. And I knew that I was going to have to let him off the fucking couch, and I was going to have to fucking grab his fucking grimy little gremlin hide for the first time. So I went ahead and just fucking developed a system, and he does two little nudges forward, because he's, you know, he's handicapped, y'all. His back legs don't work at all. They kind of come out of the front of his paws, and then he kind of scoots his butt across everything. He's 16 years old, and he got hit by a car. And shot out to Wheelwell when he was a pup. And it never bothered him until he got about 10 or 11 years old. And then slowly but surely his back legs started giving out. They started giving out. <laughs> but he's a fucking little hero. He saved my mom a couple times, man. Yeah. 
and I was in my rocker going into full-blown seizures, and they were all so busy playing with their phones and computers, they didn't even notice. And he started howling just like he is now, and fucking went and sat in front of one of them and kept fucking howling until she looked over and went, holy shit. And then, uh, she told her little girlfriend, she said, move anything out the way she might hurt herself with. And she jumped up and put her hand in the middle of my chest to push me back into the rocker. Wow. So not fall out and I'd be safely contained and couldn't hurt myself. Well. <sighs> and then there's, there's been a few times if it wasn't for my little buddy, I'd have been gone. Well, he wasn't there this time. He wasn't there this <coughs> and nobody was. And I just want people to just stop and breathe for a minute that are dealing with... I'm not military, okay, but I'm going to talk to militaries and, like, non-militaries. And that is PTSD, period, man. Okay, don't just act on shit. Don't just act on shit. And if you have to go do something serious that involves, like, an opposition against somebody and you got PTSD, that can be a very stressful thing, okay? And you should take it serious. You don't want to end up in a position where you're fucking calling some soulless fucking suicide hotline bullshit only so you can end up remedicated. There's a number of fucking consequences that can come from the actions of reacting to PTSD and it and PTSD just doesn't mix with alcohol. I'm going to throw that out there again. Yeah. It just fucking doesn't, dude. If you're going in any space where you might get jumped on or robbed or mugged or confronted, please travel in pairs. At least. If you know the area, you know, and you know where you're at, or the situation, or whatever you're going into, man, and, you, and you're dealing, once again, when you're dealing with something like PTSD, you're going to trigger out, man. I, I'm not a CBT guy. I don't do the te- uh, touch therapy. There's a lot of different methods that people have taken, and, and a lot of things have worked. I suggest you go look into it. Uh, find something that can work for you, and you could end up like me, where nothing fucking worked. <clears throat> so I just went ahead and developed the show. Well, if you're afraid to talk to another person, because a lot of us are, we isolate. And if you're afraid to talk to another person, I suggest you hook up with uh, mental health wherever you're at long enough to get a shrink to write you an ESA letter for an emotional support animal. That way you can travel with it, and if they house you up, they have to house your animal. They cannot tell you you can't have your animal. And I studied that pet therapy at Stanford University in 2004, Mom. And uh, I do know how effective it was. I remember not really wanting to fucking... Uh, 
pet a, pet the dogs or whatever, you know? I thought um, the kind of uh, suicidality and depression I was dealing with made me feel like I wasn't good enough. Uh, and maybe a lot of people out there listening to this uh, feel that way too, you know? I look at the demographic of the show, and it's mainly men that listen to the show. Well, some of the ex-military and the gangsters and other people out there yeah. need to get some stuff off their chest that they can't tell just anybody. And an animal's always good for that. You know? You can tell them all your secrets, and you're not going to tell anybody. Dogs and cats, man. We off your chest. It's not just sitting in there building up, waiting to trigger out into an explosion. You guys can go back and listen to the episode Lil's Kills, which is about uh, two years old now, huh, Mom? Something like that. Something yeah. like that, but, uh, you know, you can hear the tenderness between me and my dog, man. And I, I encourage people... You may not feel like you can do it, but go take a trip down the SPCA, man. You're going to see the, the reflections of these uh, dogs and cats, and they're just really just as bummed out as you are, man, and they can't wait to love you, dude. You know? And I. They can't wait to be saved. They can't wait to be loved. They, you know. They come, they come to be a part of you, man, and they don't last long enough. I thought that was always the downside of, of having them. But man, the exploits that you share with your pet are so concentrated. If you're loving each other, that it's just... You're going to figure out what kind of pet you want to get another one. And then you kind of figure out who the fuck you are, too. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about it, too, man. You might be better with a bird or something. You never know. I like free birds. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I do like sparrows. Those are my favorite, but those guys are free, man. And I... Yeah. And so, you know, just even observing... Just even observing birds and not even... If you can't have a pet, you can just go observe birds, man. They love you, dude. You can't tell because they move in this fucking fast action time frame sequence where they just move so fast. But they they really care about people, you know? And I think most animals... Most animals do. That we're surrounded by in society. And anybody that's <coughs> Yeah, I ain't buying that. At all. You know? Because you can see it in their eyes. Try to say that so they can justify euthanizing all. I know. Fucking lazy motherfuckers. Well, I found out that um, the SPCA and most of your shelters are actually getting stipends from the government. For every German Shepherd, Rottweiler, Doberman, and Pitbull that they put down. 
Yeah, we were talking to your sister about that earlier. That's going to be an episode, guys, coming up on how I inadvertently saved 500 dogs and cats, I guess. That's a fucking pretty good number, huh? Yeah. And it was just by looking up some information or whatever. But And they founded a whole animal movement and got the SPCA in there to clean up this terrible delta. Wow. It was just cramming like 30, 40 kids in cage and then taking them all out one day and euthanizing them. They weren't even trying to find them all. Huh. It's unreal. I told my friend uh, Phoenix Roebuck, who was on a couple episodes, you know, uh, about that. She's the veterinarian in my life. I kind of want to get her back on a show, but I just know people are just busier than ever, man. I mean, we're just trying to make ends meet. and If I can get a guest, hey, man, you know, it's cool. Been kind of laying low for a minute, just traveling around, relocating. I have been nomadic most of my life, but I, uh, kind of wanted to find a solid base, huh, Mom? Been talking about it for a while. You hear this little motherfucker? But anyway, uh, we're gonna take a break, and, uh, Mo's gonna dry his eyes. I got some doggy Oh, it wasn't that bad of a joke. It wasn't that bad. And, uh, Mom, we're going to talk about uh, how you were Sergeant Slaughter, right? In the GLOW unit? Yeah, I was called the female Sergeant Slaughter, is what they billed me as. And, you know, a lot of people have seen you on television, didn't even fucking know it. Uh, we're going to come back. And we're going to talk about this, so fucking hang the fuck out, man. And uh, I'll introduce you to my fucking mom, fucking Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> we're fucking going to be right back, dude. Motherfucker, I can't wait for this shit. I know I shouldn't talk over the commercial, but... Fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Fat people standing there. I am Antonio. I need Jimmy for my bundle. 
<laughs> it looks fucking awesome, guys. I wish you could fucking see it. Go look it up. Figure out how to hack in someone's code. <laughs> now where the fuck that, dude? All right, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, so I'm sitting here with my friend Heather that I drugged from Colorado. And she didn't believe any of these stories. She thought, like I said, I think people think this is a shtick. I know, right, Mo? And, uh, but she found out the hard way. <laughs> she ended up leaving before my mom's hospital incarceration. So, uh, you know, but she saw this, well, this one night where we were watching TV, it was just kind of like, whatever. And then, Mom, all of a sudden, you were like, oh, yeah, I was Sergeant Slaughter in Glow. And I was like, what? What the fuck? I was trying to get, tell y'all that there wasn't nothing on TV but wrestling on Friday nights. And could we change the channel? And then two chick wrestlers come on and started talking. And oh, yeah. And I said, okay, I used to wrestle for Glow in Louisiana. The Louisiana Charter. Can I find this? Is there a way to look this shit up, Mom? You got royalties coming to you? <laughs> um, no, I pretty much got paid out. But on nights when I wrestled, I was guaranteed at least two matches a night for... 75 to 100 basic pay a match, and then I got a percentage of the side bet because they get the audience to side bet. Yeah, plus they'd also, uh, at one point in the show, they'd ask any of us if we felt like doing a demonstration and wrestling somebody from the audience. Oh, pulling an Andy Kaufman. I was always gay. <laughs> down in Grand Mercy one time, Louisiana. And this little ranger had just gotten back. And he was waving his little red beret up in the air. Telling me, I'm a ranger. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I told Goldie, my agent, I said, put him in the ring with me and Mosquito. <laughs> my buddy Lacey, they called her the Wow. Legendary, man. She was tiny, but I told Lacey, don't worry, I'm not going to let him put his hands on you. You're there to distract him so that I can nail his ass. And I de-pantsed him. <laughs> <laughs> and you were dressed like Sergeant Slaughter. I was waving his underwear and his red beret over my head with my boot on his butt. <laughs> That's fucking cool, Mom. You can beat Yeah. 
I went in the bathroom and I opened my my night bus and put it in the waistband of my pants where I could get to it and wouldn't have to worry about opening it just in case he charged it while we were going out to Lacey's car. You know? Yeah. And they had some guys from the club where the show was being put on at walk us out to the car because he was seriously hanging in the parking lot <clears throat> hollering, I'm going to kill you, you bitch. And all this other crazy shit. Jesus Christ. And I'm going, dude, you got whooped. Oh, well. Yeah, man, it's part of the gig. Yeah, take it with good grace, you know? You're lucky to be here, right? Yeah, nobody asked you to fucking volunteer for the rain. But he wanted to be all, can you smell what the rock is cooking? Yeah, he thought he was bad. You can hear Mo's reaction. It's not always the bad. Mo's had more air time than we have on this thing. I know. He can hear you and he's got the pillow and the, he's all comfy. So when? When is mom coming home? Oh my god. The pain. It's like 10 Aaron Spelling shows in a row. Oh my god. I know. It's definitely Luke Perry fourth season Beverly Hills. I think, you know, it's comparable, man. Brenda leaving. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I think it's amazing that you did that. I remember when I first saw Glow, I thought it was like, it was, well, it was right in that late 80s. And it, it came on uh, USA, I thought. USA Network. Yeah. And it came on like at some random time at night, like 9 or 10, and uh, I remember when it first came out, I was in, I was just infatuated. I was like, dude, this the is the shit. Were shot out of Vegas. They're not the, it's not the female wrestling was um, a new idea, it was just the way they were doing it was awesome, fresh, fucking exciting. I know that I, you know, you could hear people even like, you know, maybe joke about it or, you know, uh, but I know everybody was fucking watching it at some point, dude. It was just one of those things that became Americana. I thought, I thought it was a, one of those little pieces of pop culture Americana that, and you know. As far as the credibility of having a first, like, kind of fem all-female WWF-style thing. Yeah, well, because of GLOW, women now have a higher and better position within WWF and WWE. Oh, yeah, it's just mixed, you know, you can do whatever now. Before that, women can hardly yeah, there's all kinds of different matches that can happen now. But, uh, you know, I always wondered, like, if there were those extreme uh, wrestlers like uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Remember that dude? Yeah. 
And he went to Japan and did a bunch of Japanese violent cage matches. Did you know that? Yeah. You ever see those? Um, I saw film footage of one of them. Yeah. And it was just so bad that I didn't want to watch the rest of them. Fucking bloody, right? And he's actually from Texas. He's just one of these guys that can continually bleed. And scar up, and he doesn't really care, and he's always smiling, right? Who was that one, Mom? Killer Brooks was the one that used to go up against Manny Fernandez all the time. He would beat up all the young Mexican wrestlers and rub burritos and tacos in their face after he had them down. <laughs> Sounds awesome. And so Manny booked him for a cage match. And there was blood flying everywhere. Brooks was climbing all four walls in the roof trying to get away from Fernandez. And he was ripping out handfuls of the man's beard and his hair. And blood was flying. And then once he finally beat him, he got him down. He smeared beef burrito all over him. <laughs> the Bean Supreme. Yeah. That was one of the few wrestling matches that I've actually attended in person that I wasn't fighting. And it was because I wanted to see that match between him and Manny Fernandez because Manny had said he was going to do whatever it took to get a match with him because he was going to stop him from trashing all the other Oh, my God, this guy. And breaking their spirit, you know? Yeah. Speaking of broken spirits, Mo's got something to say. What'd you say, Mo? Oh. Well, you hear that? Yeah. You can't ever, ever be away from this guy like this again, because I don't think his little heart can take it, Mom. I don't think so either. It's too much, man. It's too much. I've already written four novellas. On <laughs> I'm worried about it now. That's why I'm fighting to get him to let me out of here to go home instead of putting me in the nursing Oh my god. Well, I got an eye on him until tomorrow and I'm out. Yeah. And uh, I already know what to do. So, you know, I. I just got the wax after I saw you. I just got it. Well, what I was going to do, you leave it like on my desk or something where I can find it? Yeah, I won't. <laughs> it, it's here. I, I got it next to your computer. I'll get it sewn on there in the spot we talked about. Fear of the dark, man. It's a great patch. The other side of the D.O. patch. Yeah. No, I know. I remember. No, I got the floss today. I got some floss, and I got some... I had to get the floss at fucking uh, Walgreens, and then I had to cross the street over on Royal to get the CVS needles. So fortunately, they've been carrying those fucking things since I was a kid. Yeah, 
Thank God. Those little fucking roundy packs. Yeah. That'll do it. But, uh, you know, I got, I got the stuff for it. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, we'll have to do it when I come back, you know? Yeah. And, um, that's just the way it went down. So you lost your Iron Maiden privileges for a little bit of time, but. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave it by my computer and I'll get it going on Because I want to put my white tiger patch on too. The white tiger patch is inside the pocket of the vest. Oh, okay. I, it should be. I'll check. I haven't looked in none of the pockets. Yep. Well, you know, like, I'm glad that we did this show. I'm glad that, you know, there are things like uh, Glow that existed for you at one point where you could legally just get some fucking energy out. You know? That's what Charles Gandolfo said when you hooked me up with him and got me an agent. He said, you have all this rage inside of you. Why don't you get paid for releasing? Yeah. Uh, I remember the Sondary Giant story when I was a kid. I I didn't meet him, meet him, but he was sitting in the same restaurant that I was in Miami. And, uh, he was drinking, like, just whole bottles of vodka, man. And I remember telling people that way before this documentary came out about four or five years ago about Andre the Giant. And that's one of the main things that they talk about is his consumption and how much he just had to consume, Mom. Like, all this shit. And they were like, well, I remember one night, or Ric Flair said one night, he kicked back 136 beers in one night. What do you think? I don't think he had PTSD like that. Can you imagine if that motherfucker had PTSD drinking like that? They would have had to fucking send out fucking half the fucking Eastern Seaboard military. <laughs> I mean, the guy was bigger than a cargo plane, right? Yeah. Seven feet fucking tall, fucking 560 pounds. Have you seen the new Charles Barkley? Yeah, Mo, stop it. talking to the little version of himself, this little mini-me? Oh, yeah. You terrible, no, you terrible. And you saw him, too. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't you ready to go yet? We ain't got no time for no dessert. <laughs> just say, let me look at the menu, and before you know it, we got two scoops of gelato full and this. <laughs> oh, shit. My water alarm. My water just broke, Mom. We've been waiting for this moment. Oh, no. You can't deliver it, Mo. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I do have a water alarm on my phone, guys. And look, it's important to fucking drink water. And you, you might be like me where you're just like, what's that? 
Uh, so, you know, go ahead and stick a fucking water app on your phone. It's a smart idea. I never hear anybody drop it. But it is a fucking thing that exists. And at least fucking listen to your alarm once or twice out of the four or five times that it goes off a day, you know? Yeah. Just drink the fucking water. Drink. Drink the water. <laughs> I when I stopped drinking the hard liquor. Yeah. You know? But until then, I always used to tell my dad, my dad would go, drink more water. You need to drink more water. And I'd say, Daddy, do you know what fish do in that stuff? <laughs> and that was pretty much my opinion of water. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, you're going to be okay. Mom is going to be okay. I'm telling you, you can hear her, right? He's like, no, I'm old and senile. I want to watch bad sci-fi movies, and you don't watch enough of them. Like Mom does. That's what he's over here saying. <laughs> and he probably hasn't seen a monster movie in my life, either. No. I haven't tuned into the Sven Gulli. He likes Godzilla and Reptilian and all that kind of stuff. You want to watch Godzilla vs. King Kong Momo? He's like, alright, fuck it. That's the one where the big lizard fights the big monkey, Mo. Aww. That's precious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, precious memories. Well, do you got anything? You, we're going to wrap this fucker up. You ready to close this shit out? Yeah. All right, guys. Hold the fuck on. You got anything left to say, Mo? Huh? Not really, except for, please, wherever you're at in the United States, if you run across Greg's Coral Rogers, do not. I can't advocate that anybody come out and kill somebody, but boy, that's one. Yeah, sometimes people just get to work inside the law, but I'll tell you what, man. Karma is best served cold. You know who taught me that? Who? The one person that don't bother looking for her damn self. Gee, who's that? Grandma Gutterpunk. And if the immaculate Grandma Gutterpunk can fail, we all can fail, guys. I'm just telling you straight up. Try, try, try to be conscious about the moves you make, man. And That's why I felt it was so important to come on from the hospital and do this stuff. I'm glad you, and you're laying, you're stretched out in the hospital right now. You got, you've been eating some good fucking fish, you said. That, I couldn't believe that was hospital food. That tasted like I was eating in a four-star restaurant. Isn't that fucking cool? You got fucking lucky, dude. And both meals that she brought me for lunch and dinner, I told her just leave them here and, and come get them when you 
get the breakfast tray, I said, because I'll be up and down all night and I'll be Well, at least you got the three hots in the cot and the hots ain't so bad. So I guess that's a plus. Well, I think that little dietitian girl actually said something to him when she went back down there. What'd she say? Everything seemed to be softer than they've been up for one. Well. We call them in the morning when I wake up and catch them early, and I should be able to discuss my dietary needs with them then and pick what they got available that sounds good to me that I might eat. I wanted them green beans, too, but that uh, mint taste, it, it just don't taste right. Oh, I thought you said you were digging it, kind of. I was, but I don't know if I'm digging it enough to eat the whole little serving that they sent. I ate <laughs> two or three good forkfuls. <laughs> Well, don't fucking need anything you don't want, obviously. But I'm just glad that they got the care on you. I saw the room. Ugh. It wasn't that bad. Fuck, I've seen worse. Oh, hell no. Most people are in double ones. You know? room all by myself. I'm in the penthouse. Yeah, you are in the penthouse. I saw some people straying about. But, you know, overall, it seemed all right. Some motherfucker, Dookie Hauser motherfucker, chatting it up and just like, this is what I get paid for. <laughs> but other than that, you know, everybody's pretty nice. Yeah. Songs are good to you. And... Well, I got the curtains open now. And we're going to let everybody know... Uh, don't go after fucking things without being totally aware that you could trigger out. Or that someone could fucking just fuck you around harder and you end up with even more PTSD. And you don't you don't need either one of those, okay? And if you want to join a wrestling federation, do that. Go get your kinetic energy out. Go take some Brazilian Muay Thai. Go take some, you know, Krav Maga. Or whatever, man. You know, my mom is efficient with all these uh, forms of martial arts. And still... Can't hear you, Mom. Come closer. If you're not looking at it from the spiritual and meditational aspects, just go study Krav Maga. It will teach you how to defend yourself if you're attacked. There's a number of things you can do to get that energy out. Uh, and if someone's really like hurting you like that too, you know, and. There's just some fucking scumbags specifically here in the 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 big easy. <laughs> well that's why those of us in the know have been known to refer to it as the big sleazy. It is rather the big sleazy. 
It's the fucking sleazy hole. And it's a dirty fucking hole. And there's a lot of fucking trash. And this fucking Rogers fucking squirrel McFucking dick fuck just happens to be one of these fucking dicks that fucking... He's out to hurt people, doesn't care if he gets fucking fucked over. If he's not dead, he's gonna crawl back. He's gonna crawl back parasitically like a fucking parasite that he fucking is. You heard that shit, Mo? You heard it. Fucking A, man. Um, They'll be doing life, and he won't have to worry about nothing no more. So he wins public. <sighs> He's done made whoever his target was good and miserable for the rest of their life in the penitentiary. Plus, he don't have to worry about breathing. And also, um, I want to point out a a specific observation that I'm a motherfucker that has PTSD dealing with someone like my mom that got hurt. My instinct is to go and scalp this motherfucker, okay? Because people that do this kind of shit, they are abrasive to trying to exist in, in a society that has potential to acclimate towards uh, creativity, spirituality, maybe getting their fucking shit together finally. You don't fucking know, you know? Everybody fucks up. But I... That's not fucking up. That's just being a fucking scumbag piece of shit, Mom. You there? Yeah. You know? I didn't. I don't know, but yeah. Joe was working with me after Katrina doing street triage down here for Doc Luke. Yeah. Helped with security details over people's uh, uh, masterpiece paintings and shit. So they could get helicopters and federal agents down there to get that shit out of you. So the rich folks came back. Huh. Because there was so much looting going on that if any of the club owners knew us and knew we'd stayed, we were volunteering to do security details for them. And they were paying us however they could. Oh, man. Well, whether you have PTSD and you're dealing with somebody who's been hurt or someone's fucking with you, regardless of the situation, there's a lot of dangerous situations in the world. We get some pent-up energy having to fucking deal with shit all the fucking time. You know, go out and do something legal, whatever that is. (laughs) Make sure it's fucking legal, okay? You know, and if you gotta fucking go and hunt somebody down there, or like, just keep an eye out on somebody, you know, whatever it is, man, you know, you may have a story about it even, 
and you're welcome to call us. And I'm at 206-666-5847. You can leave a message for me, Grandma Gutterpunk, Mike Diana, our quantum physicist, Tim Simpson, our sometimes on board comedian, uh, Kim Jackson. And we have other people that will just come on. We got our heads up guy, Chewy, out there in Salt Lake City. So, you know, we got a team out here that we've developed over the last couple years. And we've come a long way with the show. And we want to keep getting deeper into the fucking problems that we're really facing here. And this was a pretty realistic episode, you think, Mom? There's not enough time to fucking really cover everything in an hour. But I think we hit 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 chunks of it, you know? Yeah. We got his name out there. That's the most important part because I don't want anybody else around the country getting hurt by this asshole. So if you're coming through New Orleans and uh, I'll try to post up a pic of the fucking guy because I do have a picture of him. Well, Foot does, so I'll just get a fucking picture of him. Put him up on there, you know. Hey, it's the least we can do. Steer clear of fucking PTSD dangers, guys. And if you can fucking help it, get in the fucking play music, get a pet, do some shit that's fucking going to help you get your fucking mind off fucking this hardcore-ass reality we've been all stricken to, man. You know, we're no one's exempt. We're not exempt. I'm not. I ain't no senator, son. Right, Mom? No. <laughs> well. I'd have to run for election before you could do that. I'd hope you'd fucking sue the motherfucker at least and give me some back child support. Damn, son. I sure would. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, gang. Keep your head on a swivel. And between the ditches, keep your head level. And we love you. We do love you guys. All right. Till next time, gang. Wow. That was a fucking pretty powerful fucking episode there. I hope you guys uh, got something out of it. You know, I just wanted to address these issues. Some issues that uh, I think a lot of us are facing, man. I don't know who will hear this, but there's only one thing to say. Uh. Wait a minute. Is it true? Can it be? <laughs> yeah, it is true. We fucking have completed another fucking episode. Episode number 170 coming in on the fucking top 300 that I haven't done. <laughs> My mom fucking did it, man. She was there. She got fucking paid. You heard it. Don't fucking uh, put yourself in uh, positions, man. You know, it's nice to have talked about the glow, and I liked it. And I wasn't even sure if we could really get a whole hour out of it anyway, but uh, it just happened to coincide with this real shit, you know. Wrestling on TV. That's what it is. Wrestling in real life can land you in the fucking hospital. If you got PTSD, 
I'm just asking you guys. Fucking think about it. Take some fucking breaths before you fucking put yourself in potentially dangerous shit. I know, I'm a fucking hypocrite. I've done it more than anybody. But I... <laughs> that's why I'm trying to express it to you guys, you know? My mom was an alcoholic. See, I never had a problem with the fucking liquor. I just was a bad drunk. But I wasn't addicted. As soon as my mom got a whiskey bottle in her fucking hand, she thought she, thought she was like fucking Lash LaRue or whatever, you know? She's just going out to fucking destroy. <laughs> and I think if she had the advantage and she didn't have fucking things in her way, specifically health, she probably would have fucking done something to land herself potentially back in prison. Like she said, we're not advocating fucking murder and stuff like that. This show's not doing that, you know. I, uh... <laughs> it's too bad there is no kind of different kinds of justice out there. But when you got guys like this squirrel motherfucker who's like a fucking narc, and, uh... He's just this piece of crap that fucking hurts women, specifically. Some people just, you know, like Pennyworth said, <laughs> Alfred, <laughs> some people just want to watch the world burn. They do. My mom wants to extinguish that fire. She wasn't in a position to do it. She fucking did it wrong. She got fucking liquored up like fucking Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. And thought... It was a, uh, you know, I don't know what people think when they're in that position. I just know they can end up in that position. And she didn't think. And I think that was the main point was not to fucking exploit my mom while she's fucking in the hospital. But she wouldn't have been there if she just would have let some friends know. And sometimes you just got to have those friends in your corner, man, that just one thing to be in the wrestling corner, it's another thing to be in a shit corner. <laughs> and we fucking all know it, man. Well, until next time, gang, I want you to be safe. And I don't want you to fuck around. Have a new attitude about this shit. <laughs> Alright, later. You've been listening to Adam Aaron, the GED, Underground Cartoon Therapy.